And we are here joined in the studio by Lisa Hatchadorian with the Museum of Arts at Fort Collins. I think I said that wrong again. She just told me they switched their name. <laughs> That's the Museum of Art Fort Collins. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the museum? I'm the executive director, and I've been in this position for five years, and it's a bit of a combo kind of position where I'm doing artistic programming for the museum, but also doing strategic planning and fundraising and grant writing and everything else strategic. Okay, awesome. And can you tell us a little bit more about the museum and its history or how long it's been open? Sure. Um, the museum's been open since 1983, but in our particular location um, in Old Town Fort Collins in the old post office building since 1990. And um, our mission is to spread the power of visual art, and we do modern and contemporary art shows, local, regional, national shows, and yeah, we love it. Wow. So you're showcasing the traveling 50 greatest photos of National Geographic exhibit. Uh, has the response been pretty positive so far? Oh my god, it's been an absolute blockbuster for us. How I love it. Um, so those are collections of photography by um, a multitude of artists submitted by National Geographic. How did you manage to acquire uh, the since it's a traveling collection, how'd you get them? Well, this particular exhibition's been traveling around for seven years, and we're kind of at the tail end of the tour. And it was put together, they had an issue back in 2011 that was the 50 greatest photographs that were chosen by the editors over you know, the past 60 years or so. So the photographs go from the 1960s all the way up to 2011. And I was looking for exhibition ideas as I do you know, kind of years out and saw that I didn't actually realize that National Geographic had such a wide range of traveling exhibitions and saw this particular one. I thought, oh, it'd be fantastic to bring it to Fort Collins because it's such a wide grouping of photography that they've done over landscape and wildlife and global cultures over all these years. And I just thought it would be a hit. So, so oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and just that people would respond to it. Sounds like they have. Yeah. yeah. So... Why was now the time you decided to showcase these 50 greatest photos of National Geographic since it sounded like it ended um, with the photos they took in 2011? Well, that's when the issue came out, and then they put the traveling exhibition together from those photographs. So then they started traveling it around starting in 2012. Okay. And, well, and also, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, and I think it, it helps to see different cultures what's going on in different parts of the world since you know some of us don't get to travel that much or don't get to go to far off places like the arctic or down below the sea where titanic lives so it's it's for me it's nice to see the world as a whole and that's what this exhibition does it encompasses everything everything that we are which is great you yeah. can see it by going to the art museum yeah you don't even have to leave fort collins you can see the world um, in one place. That's amazing. So let's talk about uh, Keely Yuyan. Uh, he's the photographer showcased in another exhibition you've got going right now. Um, and it's just his work. So what about his work uh, stands out so much? Well, what I like to do with the programming at the museum is connect the different exhibitions. And this is an exhibition that was brought to us by the Center for Fine Art Photography. And Keeley is actually a um, photographer who's worked with National Geographic. And this particular series is one that he's done with a group of people called the Inupiaq tribe in the Arctic. And they're a very, very ancient whaling community. They've done whaling now for 2,000 years. And this is his look at basically their way of life and how they have to survive and what they do as a community to survive and basically all they do is whale because that's their food source 
and um, how they work as a community to do that, and it's, it's fascinating. So uh, what can you learn about uh, bowhead whaling from the exhibit? <laughs> Everything, basically. <laughs> I mean, you look at these photographs, and I don't know. He said it. He came to Fort Collins late last week and had a talk. I forget how many tons he said these whales weigh, but it takes about 100 people to you know, pull these whales from the water up onto the ice once they've been harpooned. And that basically takes six to eight hours. So you're pulling this whale for six to eight hours. Wow. And then you see him taking photographs of how they butcher the whale and how they kind of meet out the, the meat and, you know, give it to all the community. And the celebration that the community has once the whaling's done, it's, it's a kind of a, a celebration of trust in your fellow people. And they create this huge trampoline out of whale skin. And then the people who have harpooned the whale and have done, gone on the hunt, they have to um, get thrown up and down on the trampoline. And that's how you build trust with your community. So something I was reading about um, in the People of the Whale exhibit is that um, they, while they were hunting for the bowhead whales, they actually doubled the population. And people were saying that um, this was an example of successful conserv conservation through indigenous knowledge and ways of life. Do you think that exhibits like this help people understand how they can change kind of the way that they're living and kind of adjust it to be more sustainable almost? I think so. One thing that Keeley talked about was kind of indigenous knowledge versus maybe scientific Western knowledge because he talked about one instance where I think um, Westerners were going to come in and shut down all whaling because they thought that the whaling was decimating the population. And they said, well, you only have 8,000 whales that migrate past this particular point and the, that indigenous population said, no, it, it's it's more than that. Or maybe actually they said it was 1,000 and, and they said, no, it's 8,000. So they actually got um, some money and funding and got some scientists to actually figure out how they could really count the whales. And it turns out that they were right on. There were 10 times more whales than were originally thought. And so because of the collaboration that they did, they were able to still you know, keep their way of life. And I think something like this particular exhibition shows that. And one thing he also said is that when you know when you sometimes think about indigenous cultures, you think of them being ancient and not necessarily adapting to modern times. And that's not the case at all. And you can see how these people have, you know, they're still living and they're still doing what they do now in the 21st century and trying to have a very sustainable way of life with shrinking resources. Well, it sounds like they're having a beneficial impact on uh, the world around them, too. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and why do you think that it's important that, that exhibits like these are shown in Fort Collins of all places? Well, we're, deal we're dealing with environmental changes like everybody else. We, we deal with huge threats for fire and, and other types of climate, weather-related changes, and things for us can change in an instant. And, you know, I, I think we all get stuck in our normal everyday cycles and way of life and until something catastrophic happens which it can and you know we see it happening around the country in California we don't it's a way for us to kind of get out of our heads a little bit and just connect with other people and places who might be going through what we might be going through at some point so um let's talk about uh we since we are student radio let's talk about students for a second sure um do you you have opportunities for students in the Museum of Art to get involved? Very much so. We 
have actually gotten front range students who are working at the museum, but we also have volunteer opportunities for um, front desk management, events, people working on events, um, exhibition installation, you know, putting our exhibitions up. So if you, if you like art and you like museums or you want to get involved at all, I mean, basically any kind of opportunity. We've had internships in our education department, working on different projects. So anything that we do, we're happy to have the help. Awesome. And kind of moving into the future, what plans do you have for future events? Because we love to spill the beans early here. <laughs> well, we just put together our 2020 schedule. It's going to be more sculpture, sculpturally oriented next year. So we're going to have um, an exhibition called Shelter, Crafting a Saved Home, which is all about um, basically homelessness and refugees around the world um, through artistic eyes. And then we're going to have an exhibition called Fiber Art International. And this is basically, it's a juried show um, from two pretty major fiber curators who looked at artists from around the world and from America, and then took the work that they liked and then put it together into this particular show. And then um, we'll actually have an exhibition of Picasso um, as a printmaker, so kind of round out the year, and then also two wonderful, wonderful sculptors, Lori Acott and Adam Schultz in the um, kind of summer, early fall. Awesome. So uh, this is kind of a... This is kind of a, a deeper one. Um, how do you think having an art community enriches Fort Collins? Well, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily want to live in some place that doesn't have an art museum or, you know, theater or music or anything like that, just because I feel like it's hard to get by in this world without art, without something that can take you out of yourself. I mean, we get inundated with news all the time and we're all, you know, we read news and we read other opinions about everything that's going on, but art is something that can, and not just visual art, but any kind of art form can really help us understand the world in a different way. And um, that's what I've kind of devoted my life to. And so that's why I think the museum for this town is important. And we've got a lot of different museums here in town. Absolutely. Well, I've learned uh, some really interesting stuff just by learning about the museum. I haven't even gone yet. Yeah. I think people have this like assumption that museums are like dusty and old and boring, but every time I've gone to a museum, it's been awesome. Yeah. You know, we kind of get that a lot, and I'd like to think that our museum is not, <laughs> not that at all. I hope not. <laughs> well, our, our cool sports dude, Dixon Lawson, has a question for you. Yeah, so you, you were talking about how the um, the creators put together these shows. So when they come to the art museum, what happens after that? Do they go on like three years where they just go to different museums? Is it one-off? Like, how does that kind of work? It depends. Like, with a particular traveling exhibition, like National Geographic, yeah. it people book it in monthly slots. or three. It's like a three-month-long exhibition, so you book it in slots, and it can keep, keeps on going until maybe the work starts to suffer and they decide, okay, now it's time to shut it down. Or if you have exhibitions of um, local or regional artists, that could be more of a one-off because actually traveling exhibitions are a huge, can be a huge source of money-making opportunities for museums, but there's a lot of work and a lot of staff time that has to be involved on the back end mm -hmm. of it. So for a museum our size, it's not feasible for us to put together traveling exhibitions and send them out into the world. So we, we go between booking traveling exhibitions and doing one-offs of local regional artists. Cool, thank you. Yeah, that's a question I'd never thought of, but something that I think was important to ask. Thank you, yeah, Dixon. Yeah, interesting. 
Um, so we're going to wrap this up in a second here, but if people want to learn more about these exhibits, uh, where can they go besides just the museum itself? Yeah, moafc.org is our website. So everything's up there as far as upcoming exhibition events. We have a ton of programming events that we do related to the exhibition. So we bring in the artists and the photographers and lectures and film screening and dance and all this stuff. So if you want to find out more, you can go to the events page too. And um, student pricing, we've got student memberships that you know we'd love to sell some more of and get more students into the museum. And right now, um, the student cost is $5 to come into the museum. Thanks, Lisa. Awesome. And is there anything else you want to add about the museum or um, any of the uh, exhibits that are happening right now? Just that we do have some free days coming up. Um, we have one, I think it's the Saturday right after Black Friday, so the 30th. Um, and we've also got one on the last Saturday of the exhibition, which is like January 4th. So if you've never been to the museum, you want to check it out without you know any commitment on your part. We, could, we do have free days, but we just love to have you come in. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for coming in. Oh, you're welcome.